Welcome to the Power of Prayer podcast. This program is a ministry of All Saints Church in Lakeland, Florida. Each conversation is unique because of the topics and participants who join the Reverend Kathy Hewlin in the discussion. It's our hope that by listening to these testimonies and discussions, your openness to hearing from God in prayer will grow and change the way you love Him, yourself, and others. On this episode of Power of Prayer podcast, I am joined by Jay Geary and Melissa Finch. And we are doing this in the season of Easter. We just had a reading from Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13, for our Sunday services. And it's the famous passage of of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I'm going to begin our conversation today by just reading uh, this passage for us. And we're going to just reflect on it. What has it said to us? What is it saying to us now in this time of reading? And are there parts of it that speak to us, uh, that speak to our prayer life or encourage us, or it's a a way to find our path to our prayer life? Uh, So those are the types of questions that we'll explore, hopefully, in our conversation today. So here now from Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but with their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So we went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread." The gospel of the Lord. Praise mm-hmm. to you, Praise Lord, God. Lord Christ. All right. So if I go back to the very opening, and I know I shared this in um, some of my 
preaching yesterday, but that first verse, we're just talking about that they were going away from Jerusalem has really struck me this year Um, because it is the day of celebrating his resurrection that we are doing in the Easter season. And even in this account, they learn about, well, some women got to see him, um, but then they're going away. They're going the wrong direction. Um, And that just thinking about power of prayer, wrong direction, how does prayer help us to figure out the right direction? So that's like one of the first questions that kind of comes to mind for me. And maybe are there experiences that I've had that prayer was that piece that I needed that got me to see a new direction? Or was it a component a little bit later on? There was somebody in my path that pointed me, or there was scripture that I read that pointed me. And then prayer was a component of that. Um, So I just put that out there in case that resonates with either of you, if there's something that comes to mind. And if so, maybe tell us a little bit about the wrong direction as much as you want. You don't have to overshare. (laughs) (laughs) And then what got you going back in a better direction? (laughs) Well, I'll I'll start, I guess. What struck me about this, this passage in my own walk with the Lord was that there are times where you know, as you as you pointed out, Cleopas and the other person are walking away from Jerusalem. It's like they're they're defeated. They're just they're confused. They're talking to one another, you know, about what happened, but they don't really get it. Um, they're they're just their their minds are very troubled by by what had happened, and they're not really seeing um, perhaps what they they should see. But I'm not sure how they would see it under those circumstances. But in any event, they they encounter Jesus, and uh, he asks them, you know. What, what are you talking about? What's going on? And they say, "Were you from Mars?" You know, you, you, this, is, this is why do you not is, know about this? Is, these is, yeah, why don't you know about this stuff? You know, and uh, and then um, he explains to them. Oh, they, he he they tell him what they think happened. You know, that this was a, a, a very powerful prophet who was who was indeed uh, persecuted and prosecuted and executed by the Jewish and Roman authorities. And that he was the Messiah. Now he's he's gone, but they're not really sure where he's gone or, or who's, you know, who to believe with the uh, um, having gone to the tomb. But what? I, and then Jesus explains to them. You know, he says he opens their minds and he tell he starts telling them about everything that pertains to him in the Old Testament. You know, all the prophecies, all the all the uh, statements of that in in the Old Testament that lead up to. This point where Jesus is, you know, in the world, and he eventually dies and saves the world. But they—it's like they don't understand. They've got their own interpretation of things, but it takes them to just be quiet and listen to the Lord for them to understand what He's really saying. Mm-hmm. And I—and I was amazed at thinking to myself about all the times that I have thought I understood what was being said to me in the Bible. Um, or you know, in other readings that I've I've had, and I, I just I was totally off base, mm-hmm. you know, and it required me to to shut up and sit down and, and let the Lord speak to me, you know, through Scripture or through you know homilies or whatever, um, to where I would understand it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's it's obviously it's different from the situation that we have here, because there there was a direct encounter with Christ, but in the same in the same vein. You know, we have our own direct encounters with Christ when we're in a prayerful 
setting and we're truly listening to what he's having to say or what the scripture is saying or what, uh, you know, you or Reverend, Reverend Kathy or, or Father Reed are telling us in, in the homilies that, that they give in church. So it was sort of a, you know, you, you thought X, but it really was Y. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing you stopped and listened because you would have kept on going on, you know, the X road, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I, I assume that what happened with, with these two guys who were with Jesus is that they were going to go to Emmaus and probably stay there and not return to Jerusalem or whatever they were going to do. Right, and, and it may have just been a, a stop in their journey of just continuing to go away from exactly, Jerusalem. Exactly, exactly. But it was interesting that Jesus was going with them. Mm -hmm. He was going away from Jerusalem too. And I'm, I'm not sure how that fits into the, into the total narrative, but, you know, he... he it's like he just appears mm -hmm. as they're walking along. Suddenly, Jesus is with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like he, he he ran up there and said, "Hey, wait a minute," you know. But he just he suddenly appears and he's talking to them. And so, uh, and then he, you know, shares with them all the all the meanings that are really that he wants them to know, which are the the meanings, you know, right. from the Old Testament to to enlighten them as to what happened, really. Because their whole understanding of what happened was, you know, 180 degrees wrong from what really happened. Mm -hmm. And I, I think sometimes some it's occurred to me that maybe he was telling them this because he knew they were going to share this, but he didn't want them to share the wrong message. <laughs> you know, but anyway, that's kind of my... Well, okay. and so... As you were getting to that point, Jay, and you were saying that, well, Jesus was with them. And, and I know um, our bishop brought out this point yesterday in his homily of that Jesus is going to where they are. And then he's asking them questions for them to mm -hmm. you know, bring out what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And I had shared that, I think, at the 850 service that um, you know, it's just very meaningful to allow someone to process where they are. And then as Jesus is ministering to them, like he has a direction he, that he wants them to know so that they can proclaim that he is more than just this prophet that died. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. that he is Messiah and it's bringing scriptures to life to know him. Um, but in the meantime, he's got to figure out, well, what do they know? What, where are they in this? Um, it's almost like when he is talking to his disciples and asking, who do you say that I am? Right. So it's, he's doing that moment with them. It's just coming out in a different way. And um, all of us have times in our life that where I think we're confronted with that. Who do you really believe Jesus is for you in this point in your life? Mm -hmm. Are you going to fully trust him? I, there's countless times over the past year that I can realize that here I'm reading in scripture and I'm, I'm saying that I believe in Jesus. But here's an instance where, gosh, I'm not trusting him as much with this as I should be. It's like, I'm still trying to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so stop that, Kathy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, kind of stepping out in faith. And we have an instance where people are going the wrong way. They And uh, Jesus is the one who goes to get them, kind of bring them back on path. Right. Mm -hmm. um, do either of you have any times where you know, like, that really happened. It was Jesus that got you back on path. Yes. Jay's nodding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, I can, I will try not to overshare since this is really not kind of my, my son's story, but, you know, we're in the, the applying to different colleges process. And so when we were, you know, hitting the submit button, I was saying, okay, Gav, 
Okay. Um, <laughs> Lord, close the wrong doors, open the right doors. Yes. And so there was one school in particular that um, he really liked. And I got down there. We did the tour. This was last year. And um, I felt I felt the Holy Spirit say, this isn't it. And you're going to be surprised where he winds up. Well, um, so we're still trying to figure that out. But some doors have other doors have opened up that I think are going to be a much better fit for him. So it is, you know, just that trusting him. And it is quite frankly, it's been very stressing me out. <laughs> I think I'm more stressed out about it than he is. So but to your point, it's just having that that faith and that trust because, you know, we don't have Al here to kind of help with this decision making yeah, yeah. process. So just really leaning into God and just trusting him that he truly is going to open the right doors and then close those wrong ones. And then also, you know, making sure that there are good godly influences wherever, you know, he does choose to go. So that's my other, you know, prayer, you know, for him and, and for Alex too. But, you know, just, you know, that he will continue to stay on the narrow path and, you know, all those good things that have been instilled with in him, you know, that I know, you know, he, he's a good kid that, you know, he will continue down the right path. But it's just important also to have those good godly influences. Mm -hmm. So, so I love your language for your prayer of discernment, you know, just to say, open up the right doors and close the doors that don't need to be available. Like asking God, help us in this discernment. Yeah. Just make it very clear for us. Yeah. Right. And yeah. not everybody prays that kind of prayer. So mm -hmm. that's very wise to do so and just specific about what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Well, um, thinking about then in this journey, like if we, you're trying to help shepherd your son as the way Jesus is going out and shepherding these disciples, come on, let's be on the path where we should be. And as he's doing so, and Jay, you were kind of pointing to this, it, scripture tells us early on in this encounter that, um, you know, they actually could not see him. They could not know that this was Jesus, right? And that is God's unveiling or revealing to right. us. And there's times that we can know that we've been just doing our thing, doing whatever work that we feel called to do. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, God just kind of makes you see something differently. And it almost like there's this halo on it or something. Oh, pay attention here. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's happening little by little. And I love the line about, um, and this is in verse 32, they said to each other, we're not our hearts burning within us while mm -hmm. he was talking to us on the road. So like they knew something was happening. Right. And we all have those inklings like, okay, we know something's going on here. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to keep paying attention. And, uh, and I love that part of our prayer life that, okay, noted God, I'm, I'm filing this away, or I'm going to put this in my journal, or it's, you know, it's right there. And then I'm going to keep watching and waiting and praying for how does this connect with the next thing that you want me to see? And then it all starts to really fit together as a beautiful puzzle pieces that make sense and make a beautiful mm -hmm. full vision of what we're supposed to see. What's, what spoke to me about this whole episode where, where they, they couldn't see who, 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 they couldn't see Jesus. They they knew somebody was with them. <clears throat> the person who was talking with them and telling and explaining, uh, you know, interpreting the gospel for them. Um, and, or interpreting the Old Testament rather for them, and it was almost like I was thinking of Paul's comment 
he says, you know, but now we see, but through a glass darkly, mm -hmm. you know, is that they, that's, that was a classic dark glass right there. They could not see past yes. that. Yes. And then, boom, you know, the veil was lifted or the glass was cleaned or whatever it was. And they understood. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a, a, a really reassuring kind of event to me that, you know, there will be times where God will reveal what he wants us to see mm -hmm. and uh and we will be the better for it you know it may not happen immediately but it will it will happen at some point where he will he will um disclose what uh what's really there for us to know mm -hmm. so and to uh connect <clears throat> this section about how he's revealing himself if i went to verse 30 uh, where it says Jesus was at the table with them. He took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they mm -hmm. recognized him. Right, And because we are in the liturgical practice that we have here, and we have the breaking of the bread, and we, we believe in the power of the sacrament of receiving that Holy Communion, the Eucharistic prayer that leads us to that moment of receiving um, just speaks to me more and more. I love... The different um, we have four different prayers available in our tradition, and I just love when we change them for the seasons, and then there are different aspects of the text that come out of the prayer that really resonate with where we are for the Easter season, and particularly at Christmas time as we're uh, preparing for receiving and celebrating the incarnation of God. That the Eucharistic prayer is really beautiful. So I would encourage. Anyone who can uh, be part of an Episcopal or an Anglican tradition service, as you approach Holy Communion, that the words of those prayers, you know, just kind of seep into your mind, that they're not just something that someone else says on your behalf or on the behalf of us to receive Holy Communion, but they're, they're forming us mm -hmm. and shaping us. I think that's really meaningful because I want to see something more as I receive you know, mm -hmm. receive Holy Communion. Well, I was thinking that <clears throat> so many times when I go to communion, you know, I, I know that I'm receiving the body of Christ. But this pointed out to me, you know, when when Jesus broke the bread and gave it to them, they, boom, you know, that was it. Their eyes opened, they understood it. Mm -hmm. What am I, how am I falling down in not really being open to that when I receive mm -hmm. the Eucharist at, at Mass, you know? Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, if you assume, and I do, and I believe that that's the body of Christ, you know, there should be more lights going off in my brain when I'm taking that sacrament than just kind of saying, okay, chew it up and then take a swig and then you're out, mm -hmm. you're out the door, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it should be more, what I'm saying, I guess, is that accepting the Eucharist should be more intentional. Mm -hmm. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. it should be more Absolutely. intentional. What am I doing? I am receiving body and blood of Christ. Amen. Yes. And I should be amazed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. grateful and mm -hmm. all those things, you know. And so often it's just you go up and you take it and you leave. It's like, wait a second, you know. Yeah. What what just happened? I mean, it's it's, it's almost automatic, and, and it doesn't and it shouldn't be that way. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, 
not take it for granted the sacrifice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I try. I try. I. You know. You do kind of get into that habit, but this particularly this <clears throat> Lenten season, I've really been trying to be cognizant when I go up to the altar mm -hmm. and just being, you know, more like worship and being in awe of God and all the, the goodness. And the love, you know, that and everything that he sacrificed for us when I take communion and, you know, of course, also being repentive and, you know, mm -hmm. going sure that I go in front of the altar, you know, with a clean heart and trying to make sure, you know, there's, you know, we're all sinners, but, you know, trying to, you know, do that catalog check, you know, making mm -hmm. sure, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. that I'm worthy to receive, you know, that kind of thing. Amen. Well, I think on that note, what I'd like to do is maybe just lead a prayer in just our awakeness to what God is doing for us, if that's okay. Sure. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift that you are for us, um, that you have sent Jesus into this world, that Jesus, then you died for us, died for our sins. And then upon your resurrection, that you revealed yourself in mighty and mysterious and glorious ways that um, along this road to Emmaus, that you then sought after people to know more about you, that they would see more of you, that there would be some uh, recognition in their reading and understanding of scriptures that then see the fulfillment in who you are and what you've done for us. And in particular, as we receive your broken body, and your shed blood for us in Holy Communion, in that sacrament, that there would be something powerful that would stir and burn in our hearts. And not only for us, not only for Kathy and Jay and Melissa, but for friends and family and others that hear this and those that receive this Holy Sacrament, that there would be this intentionality and this desire to see more of you and it's not for our purposes, that it would certainly build our hope and faith and trust, but that it's really for your glory, that as we receive, that we are strengthened, that we are encouraged, and that there's something that you're doing in us that then helps us to teach and share about you with others. And so this Easter season, we pray for our faith to continue to, to grow and rise up in following you. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.